pray together. God, uh, I, I just want to ask you to, uh, to touch our hearts today. God, would you uh, take, the, take my words, the words of a fellow struggler, a fellow sinner, and Father, would you just use them today to uh, challenge us, to point us to you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I uh, came out of my house uh, one day this week, and uh, like many days, my car was covered in dew. And uh, so, you know, I get in the car, start it up, uh, the windshield washers take care of the front, and I hit the button for the rear defroster, and it starts to take care of that. But I, I drive on down the street, and I get to the end of the street and realize the passenger side window is covered in dew, and I cannot see a thing. And uh, the electric motor for that particular window is broken in my car, and I haven't paid to get it fixed, and so I'm thinking, I really can't see a thing. So I, so I think there's no headlights coming and uh, this is really scary about my driving. I just decide, eh, I'll go. And I was okay in this case. You know, It reminded me, though, I was thinking about when I lived up north, and some of you can identify with this. Do you remember those days you lived up north, and you'd come out on a cold winter's morning, and your car is covered in frost or ice or maybe snow? And, you know, the first thing you do is you start your car up and turn the defrosters on, hoping that that will help some. Uh, but you probably have all had those mornings, at least I did when I lived up there, were so cold you think, I do not want to scrape all of this off. And so you, you know, you scrape a little peephole in the front and a little peephole on one side and away you go, you know. And you can see, kind of, but it's pretty, pretty limited vision, right? And you know, you got your head way up in there and you're trying to drive, you're trying to stare through that little, that little peephole. In fact, I think they've even titled that peephole driving. I think people driving is a good picture of what it is like to try to navigate through life with a limited view of God's Word, with a limited understanding of the insight and wisdom that comes from the Bible, God's Word. And yet there are a lot of Christ followers who have settled for a limited view of the Bible because we're... We don't take the time or we're unwilling to, to pick it up and to read it. And so we settle for this, this limited view of life that really is a limited view based on simply what we've heard other people teach about the Bible. But nothing takes the place of personally picking up the Bible and reading it. So we're in this series called Radical and we've been looking at Exploring what it looks like to live the radical life that Jesus has called His followers uh, to live. And there are a couple of questions that we keep asking that are helping us to navigate through some pretty challenging topics. And those questions are, you can probably say them with me almost now, do I believe Jesus? Am I going to believe what He says and promises? And am I going to obey Jesus? Last week we explored the idea that God has called every Christ follower to play a part in helping to spread the story of Jesus to the whole world. That we all have a part to play in that. And our part may be that literally God may call some of us to go. I think at some point in our life He would call all of us to, to take a short-term trip to go and explore the world. I think that He invites all of us to participate by praying. And that He should take some time this week to go and find a part of the world that you could specifically pray for that God's story would go to those people? He's called us to send, to participate in sending other people. And I said to parents, He may even challenge some of us to send our children. And He's challenged us to participate by using our resources, our financial resources, 
to help those who go. We have a part to play. Today I want to look at another topic, this idea of the Bible. But let me start by asking this question. If we were to take away the sound system and the video and the band and the guitars and the cushion seats and the air conditioning and it was just us and the Bible, would that be enough for us? You know, in some parts of the world it is. There are people in some parts of the world who even today will squeeze into a crowded, dimly lit room and they will risk their lives to be together just to study the Bible together because they want to know God. But I think we have to ask ourselves, would that be enough for us? To really maybe explore that, Maybe we need to have a, make sure we have a clear understanding of what the Bible says about coming to salvation. The Bible clearly says that we cannot earn our salvation. That it is a gift. It is a free gift from God. That the salvation from the sins that I've committed comes only through the gift of God by His grace. I don't earn it. It's not a matter of me trying to do enough of the right stuff so that I can be saved. It is a gift from God. Along with this gift of salvation also comes the gift of a new heart. And this new heart gives us a, some new desires and new longings in our life. And so when we are saved, if we're really saved, we should have within us a longing to know God, a desire to know Him more deeply. And we should realize that salvation is not just about the forgiveness of our sins. It is not just about the assurance of having eternal life in heaven with God, although that is a big part of it. It is also about getting to know God more deeply. You see, a radical follower of Jesus is someone who desires to know God deeply. And salvation, true salvation, puts in the heart of the one who has been saved a continual hunger for God. And the only way, the primary, I shouldn't say the only way, the primary way, the primary way that God reveals Himself to us is through the Bible. And so if I have accepted this gift of salvation, there should be within me a desire to know God more deeply, to want to pursue Him. You know what, if, um, well, let's take Rick Scott as an example, and I, I don't care about his political views, but just follow my story here, okay? You know what, if when Rick Scott was on the campaign trail, if you had gone out and been one of those people who followed him, not all the time, but you know, just went to a few campaign stops and you listened to his speeches along the way, you would have learned some things about Rick Scott, wouldn't you? But if I would have said to you, do you know Rick Scott? I mean, do you really know him? You would have had to say, and be honest, well, not really. You know, I've heard the things he talks about, but I don't really know him. The only way that you would get to know him is if that you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-on-one conversation. And pro- in fact, probably multiple one-on-one conversations. And if you were able to do that, and I ask you, do you know Rick Scott? You'd say, well, yeah, I know him because we've spent time one-on-one. You know what? You can get to know and celebrate God, or I should say this, you, you can celebrate God in a crowd. 
You only get to know Him when you spend some time one-on-one with His book, the Bible. If you really want to know the heart of God, then you have got to spend some time getting to know Him through the Bible. Let me ask you, think about how many Bibles do you have in your house? Can I count them for a second? How many would say, uh, I have at least three Bibles in my house? Yeah, that's most of us. Uh, how many would say, I've got five, five or more Bibles? Yeah, so quite a few of us. Uh, ten, ten Bibles in your house? Yeah, or if you're like me, I'm not even sure, you know. Honestly, how many between home and the office? And it's even beyond counting. Now, let me ask you this. Take a mental quiz for a second here. Just do this for yourself. Name the Ten Commandments. Let's go through them, you know. Anybody able to think they can name all ten? I'm not going to ask you to do it out loud. Anybody think they can name all ten commandments? Okay, a few of you. Now, tell me this. Where would you find this verse? God helps those who help themselves. How many would say that's in Proverbs? You guys might be really good here. How many would say that's in Psalms? That's good. I'm proud of you. Yeah, it's not in the Bible at all. Not in the Bible at all. You see, we say, you kind of blew my illustration too, but uh, <laughs> but we're okay because you didn't know the Ten Commandments, so we'll go back to that one, okay? We say we really understand that the way I get to know God is by reading the Bible. And we say that we, we, we value the Bible for living life from day to day. But the truth is, a lot of us, we just don't spend very much time actually reading it. We don't spend much time letting it get into our hearts. I want to look at a couple of verses in the Bible today that remind us of the value of the Word of God. And it's found in 2 Timothy. So I hope you brought your Bibles today. Of all days, this would have been a good one to bring your Bible. Um, 2 Timothy, uh, we're going to look at chapter 3. 2 Timothy is toward the very back of your Bible. It's after some little books, First and Second Thessalonians, then First and Second Timothy. If you get to Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, um, you've gone a little too far. So take a second there. Look in the table of contents if you need to to find the page number. Make your way to 2 Timothy. Paul is writing this. Paul was a leader in the early church. And um, he is writing this to a Christ follower a lot like us. Um, he, Timothy was also involved in leading the church. But more importantly, the way that Paul uh, writes this letter to him, this is just about Timothy and what it means to really follow Jesus. And so in the midst of his encouragement to Timothy about here's how you follow Jesus, here's some important things about following Jesus, he writes these two verses, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Paul says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. First, notice that Paul says that all Scripture is God-breathed. The words that we find in the pages of the Bible are God's words to us. They're not the words that some men created. They are the words of God. And you know what God does in the Bible? He pulls back the veil and He reveals Himself to us. He, He lets us in on how He thinks. He shows us what pleases Him And what disappoints Him? He pulls back the veil to allow us to see what He values. Who He loves. 
is there some famous person that, uh, you know, you, you've kind of watched their life from afar and you've thought, oh, I can't wait until, you know, they write their autobiography. I, I want to know their story. I want to know what happens in their life behind the scenes. You know, maybe, you know, Laura Bush came out with a book last summer, I think. Or maybe it's somebody like uh, Lance Armstrong or Peyton Manning or, uh, you know, I don't know who it is for you. Somebody that you just think, I would love to know how their mind works and what really goes on behind the scenes. And so when that autobiography comes out, what do you do? I mean, you, you go get it. And you read that thing from front to back because you want to know everything about that person. God has revealed Himself to us in His book, the Bible. He said, here, let me, let me show you behind the veil. Let me allow you to see what goes on behind the scenes. Let me help you to see the real story about me. We have that opportunity, and yet honestly, a lot of us don't really even ever pick it up. We have the opportunity to know the God of the universe, and we don't take time to read His book. I heard about a guy named Arlo that got married quite a few years ago. And uh, when he got married, uh, his new wife's uncle had given them uh, for a wedding gift a beautiful leather-bound Bible with both of their names uh, imprinted on the front. It was beautiful. But when Arlo got married, he wasn't really into God all that much, didn't care that much about God, didn't care that much about the Bible, and so thought it was a nice gift, but left it in the box and put it up on the shelf. But every time they ran into this uncle, he'd always say, how are you liking that Bible? And Arlo said, you know, every time we'd say thank you, it was a great gift, and he said my new wife had written him a wonderful thank you note expressing our thanks for the Bible. But every time we saw him, he was always asking, enjoying that Bible? So he said, finally, one day after he asked me that, I went home and dug around to find where we had stuck that thing, pulled it off the shelf, opened it up, and there in Genesis, at the very beginning of Genesis, was a $20 bill. And he said, as I leaped through that Bible, at the beginning of every book of the Bible, I found another $20 bill, $1,300, just so you don't have to do the math. Hidden in that Bible, treasures that Arlo almost missed. And there are gems and there are treasures on every page of the Bible for our lives. But like Arlo, we almost miss some of those treasures because we don't take the book out often enough and we don't let those words get into our lives. Paul suggests several things that this book is useful for in our lives. He begins by saying it is useful for teaching. It's useful for teaching. It gives us correct information. You want to know how God form this universe that we live in? The answers are right there in this book. There, there's a lot of talk these days in our culture about uh, demons and angels. You want to know the truth about demons and angels? The answers are right here in his book. You, you want to know how to make your marriage work the way it should? There are answers right here in this book. You want to know how to manage your money in a good way? There are answers right here in God's book. You're struggling with worry or depression or betrayal? There are answers right here in this book. The answers to so many of the things that we struggle with, they're right here in this book. Correct information if we just pick it up and read it. Paul says that this book is also useful for rebuking. Now that doesn't sound so pleasant, does it? Uh, it, the word rebuking is also the word reproof, or it even is the word, the idea of convict. 
It's actually the word picture of somebody taking a scalpel and cutting away at the body. Which again, maybe doesn't sound very pleasant until you understand that when God talks about this kind of surgery, He's talking about finding the stuff in our lives that is wrong, the stuff that shouldn't be there, the stuff that is unhealthy and carefully, meticulously cutting that out of our lives. You know what? The Bible is not a safe book. It is a book that challenges us. It is a book that changes us. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why some people don't read it. Maybe they're afraid that the Bible will change them. But you know how it changes us? It changes us to become more like God. Why would we be afraid of that? Jesus talked about the the power of the Bible to to change us, to rebuke us, to get rid of what's wrong. He was praying a prayer for us, His followers, in John chapter 17. Listen to what He prayed one day. He was talking to God. He said, I am not asking you, God, to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. He's praying for us and He's praying, God, I want You to keep them safe from the attacks of Satan. Verse 16, They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by Your truth. Teach them Your Word, which is truth. That was Jesus praying for us. Saying, God, they need to know the truth of Your Word because Your Word has the ability to make them holy. Your Word has the ability to cut out the stuff in their life that shouldn't be there so that they can become more like their Father in Heaven. The Word of God is useful for uh, teaching and rebuking. And Paul says next, it is useful for correcting. It's useful for correcting. Now, when we think about God correcting us, a lot of us have this image that, oh, I do something wrong and God strikes me with a bolt of lightning. You know, like, oh, I didn't have my quiet time today. God's going to get me. But that is not the image of correcting that we see in the Bible. We see more the image of correcting in the Bible that is about getting our lives back on the right path. You know, it's about the fact that sometimes we, we get off course a little bit. And God wants to help us get our lives back in line with where He created them to go so that we can experience the fulfillment of life that He created us to experience. Something we don't experience when we get way off the path. And so this correcting is not, oh, let me punish you. This correcting of God is about, let me get your life back on the right path. Move it in the right direction. He goes on then to say that it is useful for training in righteousness. That it is useful for helping us, again, to become more like God. I was uh, thinking this week about when I played high school basketball. A long time ago now. And uh, there, there was a difference in basketball practice between working out and training. You know, working out was about getting in shape. That was the whistle. The coach blows the whistle and says, get on the line and you run suicides. Or the coach says, you know, run the bleachers. That was just purely about getting in shape. But then there were a lot of other moments in basketball practice that were about training. They were about learning the specific nuances of parts of the game. I mean, one thing that popped in mind, I can remember, you know, for hours over the course of the years I played basketball, all the time we learned the nuances of how to take a charge. 
You know, how to stand in the right position and how the guy with the ball runs his guy right off the edge of your shoulder. You know, we would do drills on that over and over and over and over again. Just that one nuance of the game of basketball. That was training. And the Bible has the power in our lives to train us in the nuances of how to live a righteous lifestyle. It gets down to the the very details. And it helps to train us. It's not just about working out and getting in shape. God's not just the coach blowing his whistle and saying, I want to make practice as miserable as possible for you. No, he's a coach who says, I want to train you in the nuances of what it looks like to live a righteous life, which helps you become more like God. I was reading this week about the sequoia trees out in California. Of all the things that I've ever seen in all of my travels, I think a sequoia tree is one of the things that just blows my mind. I'm so amazed by God's creation of them. I mean, these massive trees that are some of them big enough that you could literally at the base of them drive a car through. And they they live for hundreds of years and they they grow to the sky, it seems. Incredible, incredible trees. Uh, in one of our national parks, it wasn't that many years ago, that one of these massive trees that had stood literally for hundreds of years, and they think probably planted back in the early 1600s, one of these massive trees came tumbling to the ground. And so there was an investigation to try to determine what had caused this tree to fall. Was it some kind of storm that had done damage? Was it a, an issue with disease or bugs? And they found that it was none of those things. What had brought this massive tree tumbling to the ground was that its root system had been destroyed by foot traffic. See, the sequoias have a shallow root system, and all the people walking around that tree had destroyed its root system, and it had fallen to the ground. And like a sequoia tree, you and I have a root system that if it is not nourished, if it's not protected, if it's not certain things aren't kept away from it, our root system gives out. And we fall. But the Word of God, when taken into our lives, has the ability to protect us, to help our roots to be nourished, to sink them deeply like they need to sink. So that when the storm comes along, when there is some attack from the enemy, we stand strong. And we don't come falling to the ground. He says in verse 17, that the Word of God Sorry, I totally lost my place there. Oh, here we go. He, he says in verse 17 that the man of God, when we take the Word of God in, the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible has the ability to equip us for what we need in life. You know what? When the Bible is in your head, that's information. When the Bible is in your heart, That's inspiration. When the Bible leaks out of you and it bleeds out of you, that's incarnation. That is God living in you. And that ought to be the goal of every Christ follower. You see, a radical follower is someone who has a deep desire to know God. No more peephole driving. No more limited view of life. No more depending just on what somebody else teaches you. But it's about 
knowing God deeply for yourself. So let me uh, quickly give you a practical way to make this happen in your life. I, I want to encourage you today that every Christ follower ought to make it a habit of reading the Bible every day. Now, I, I try to read the Bible every day in my life. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, most weeks it's six out of seven. And, you know, I'd encourage you, if you get to that point, that's great. I hope you'll do better than I do and get to seven out of seven days. And let me give you a, a place that you can go to find a plan to help you with reading the Bible. Because you may think, well, that sounds great, Jeff, but where, where would I possibly begin? How much should I read every day? And there is a great website called uversion.com. Okay, so if you haven't written anything else down today, why don't you write this down? And uh, you can go to this website. You can read the Bible right there on the screen. You can pick from a whole big variety of versions. And here's the great thing, though, about this website. There are, I don't know how many different Bible reading plans right there on the site. And there is a way for you to actually sort of subscribe to that. It doesn't cost anything, but you can say, I'm going to read this plan, and it will bring that up for you every day. And there are some really simple plans that start you off with, here's like a 21-day plan to get you started. There are some 100-day plans. There are some plans that, hey, I can read through the Bible in one year's time. And if, if this is a new habit to you, I'd tell you, don't start with that one. Okay, start with something that's a little simpler, a little less to start with. But the important thing is, is that you decide today that I'm going to have some kind of plan. And every day, I'm going to pick the Bible up and I'm going to read it. Because I long to know God and to know Him deeply. And I want Him to guide my life. See, if we're going to be radical followers of Jesus, this will be part of our habit. This will be a lifestyle issue for us. So I want to do something kind of radical today. It'll make us uncomfortable a little bit. And I don't want you to do anything yet until I explain. But in a moment, I'm going to ask for you to make a commitment by standing. And here's the commitment I'm asking you to make. I'm asking you to commit today that you will strive for reading the Bible every day, even if it's just a few verses. But that you would commit not to me, but to God. That every day, God, I'm going to pick your book up and I'm going to read from it. Because I want to be that kind of follower. I want to know you deeply. So in a moment when I ask you to stand, I, I want you to stand not, not to impress me, not because your wife or husband stands next to you, and I don't want you to stand unless you're serious about making this commitment. But if today you would be serious about committing to God that I am going to read the Bible and I'm going to try to do it every day, then would you stand right now and make that commitment to God? And let me pray for you. God, I thank You for those who have stood in Your presence today. And God, they have made a commitment, we have made a commitment to You to love Your Word, to read Your Word. Because God, we want to know You deeply and we desire to be that kind of radical followers. God, would You help us to fulfill that commitment because it's going to change us. And God, if every person in this room who just stood really does this, it's going to change our church because we will become radical followers. And we want that, God, working us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.